I think now though we're getting more sensitive, the whole the whole world, not just this industry, on you know the she, he, you know, the whole the whole pronouns and things so that people don't become offended. Welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. I am excited to share this episode with you with Sandra Benson, who is the head of industry transformation at Procore Technologies and on the board of the National Institute of Building Sciences. She got here by being her authentic self. In this episode, Sandra shares how she made the decision to leave her role as the worldwide head of engineering construction and real estate at Amazon Web Services, why she believes sponsorship is more powerful than mentorship, and how being her authentic self led to incredible opportunities to influence the construction industry as a whole. And I get to interview today. And Sandra is the global head of industry transformation at Procore Technologies and on the board of directors for the National Institute of Building Sciences. NIMS is a nonprofit, non governmental organization that unites stakeholders from the building industry to identify and resolve problems that hamper the construction of safe, affordable housing and commercial structures throughout the US. Prior to taking on these two pretty big roles, Sandra was the worldwide head of engineering construction and real estate for Amazon Web Services. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, with 25 years of experience in the construction technology space, Sandra is passionate about mentoring the next generation of women to show up professionally as their authentic selves. Sandra, welcome. I am so glad you are here today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I um, appreciate the chance to talk with you. So just kick it off. I'm really curious about what attracted you to the construction industry in the first place. Well, I don't really know that I, uh, when I started off, really was focused so much on construction. Um, I essentially went into engineering um, because literally my father told both my brothers that they should go to engineering school and that I should get a liberal arts degree. And uh, that literally was almost more of a don't tell me what I can't do. So I did, I got into the electrical engineering and um, started off there. And that's really how that kind of got me in. But I I really enjoyed it. Did a lot of work on airport fueling and some really interesting kind of projects, if you will. Um, And then got brought into um, a technology initiative. At the time, this was 30 years ago, we were gonna do an ERP implementation, which was new in the, in the industry at the time. So that's really how it started. Um, it was more of a, yeah, I'm pretty good at math and science and don't tell me what I can't do. So, and that was, uh, that's how it started anyway. And I'm so curious about how you made that shift from engineering to focusing on that tech space. So at that moment where there was this opportunity to implement that ERP, what was the thing that got you that job? Well, you know, it's, that's another one of those serendipity things for me. I think my career has kind of been that way up to a lot. 
I really didn't have any interest in that. Um, and we were, we still had CAD, if you will, and drawings and shelves, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I was one of the newer members. And um, so when they, when the company decided they were going to implement an ERP, which I didn't know what that stood for, we didn't discuss that in college or anything. No one wanted to do it. No one in the, in the, in the staff on the project side wanted to do it because they didn't want to lose their utilization and that kind of stuff. I was the newest member. Um, and so essentially they're like, okay, Sandra, we're doing this new thing. You need to go work with the finance team and the IT team. And, you know, you need to be our project representative. That's how I got involved in it. Not by choice, um, somewhat by edict. However, I found that I found it fascinating and I actually really liked it. Um, and and uh, so then went back and got the MBA and, you know, pretty much started my launch more on not just construction, uh, but construction and technology um, in the early days and have pretty much followed that route with a fairly winding road. But those two things have been construction and technology that supports that have pretty much been the focus of my career. I find that really fascinating. And it's the thing nobody wanted to do, but for some reason you were able to see it as an opportunity that led to you, to be honest, having these really big, impressive jobs today. Yes. Yeah. If you'd asked me 30 years ago, I would have never guessed that I would be here. I'm not really sure. I guess I may have thought of myself as being a partner in a consulting engineering firm or something long, long time, you know, in the future. But I never thought I'd be sitting here talking to you or have my amazing job at Procore or NIBS or AWS or anything. Okay. I'm really curious. I read an article about you a couple of weeks ago. And in it, you said that very early in your career, a CEO once told you that you're the smartest woman I've ever met. And you went and you talked to other women about this feedback that you got. Tell me about the the mixed reactions that people had to that comment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my, it's a really interesting perspective. Um, the, The gentleman's name was Ed Davidson. He's since passed away, so I'm not speaking ill or anything. And he didn't, in my opinion, he didn't mean it as an insult. We were working together on a big Delta project and he was the Delta, he was the one who had the great executive relationship with Delta. And, uh, you know, I was a peon. I, you know, just been out of school a couple of years. And uh, so we were working one late, pretty late. And, um, you know, as we're getting it, walking out the door, he goes, you know, Sandra, you are the smartest woman I've ever met. And my first reaction was, well, thank you. Um, and I still, to this day, that was the appropriate reaction in this case, because everything's in context. So this is a 30 years ago. It's also, there was no malintent. You know, this is just an, an older gentleman, somewhat like my father, almost father to grandfather's age. You know, he wasn't trying to offend me. He actually was giving me, from his perspective, a true compliment. So I didn't think much about it. But, you know, that was friends later. And they're like, what? That's terrible. That's an insult. Or, you know, and, and I, I was really surprised by that. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Um, so then I thought about, well, you know, I can see how people would think that. But I, I said it before. I think you had to have empathy for everyone, you know, um, this, this person had no, it wasn't coming from any sort of way of hurting me. Um, now, would I, or should I have 
corrected him? I really don't think so, not at that time. Now, at this point in my career, if I heard that, I probably would pick up on it a little differently. But I mean, I it was fine with me in that instance. I wonder if you interpret it as if this person had said, you're the smartest person I've ever met. It sounds like just based on where you took that and what you're doing today is you almost interpreted it that way. And it was something really positive. It was like, I believe in you. I see potential in you. Like lean into that, Sandra, like take the risk, go there. I believe in you. I think that's when you're telling me the story, it sounds like that's how you interpreted it. And that word made the, made such a big difference as to how your friends interpreted it versus how you did. Right. And I think the other difference was I had, I had been, there were not any, none of my friends were in the industry. Right? So, you know, for them, I think it was easier for them to grab onto the woman, but that's exactly how I took it. And, um, you know, causing a scene was of no benefit and didn't ever cross my mind but I think now though we are getting more sensitive the whole the whole world not just this industry on you know the she he you know the whole the whole pronouns and things so that people don't become offended I just did not in this case yeah and I and I think this belief like something that you've taught like you're this was a new article right like someone asked you about this and you brought up this story recently So how do you think this belief that this CEO had in you serve you early on in your career? Well, you know, this man actually was a, um, was, I guess, a mentor to me before that word was really used as much. Um, And and if you've read some of my things, you know, I don't really use the word mentor often. Um, I I find that's a very impersonal kind of thing. This was a person who was what I prefer to you is a sponsor. He was someone that when a new project would come up or something, you know, he would say, well, I, you know, I think Sandra would be really good for that. Uh, and I was the only female in the double E group. So, I mean, it wasn't, you know, so he was more my sponsor and he, he helped other people recognize that, you know, you, you forgot once, once you bring Sandra to that, you know, and so he really helped pull me through a lot. Um, and then he was very, very instrumental uh, when I started doing the, the work with the software implementation uh, because he already trusted me on the business, I mean, on the engineering side, and he knew me. So he didn't think of me as some typical IT person because I certainly wasn't. Um, so he was very helpful in that as well. He was a great man. I, I, I still keep in touch with his family. I mean, he was great. So. Uh. I love that you made that differentiator between mentor and sponsor. And I'm really curious because people know about are starting to talk about sponsorship now, but kind of back in the day, even 10 years ago, people didn't really know, people didn't really use that word. How did you learn the difference and really be able to understand that you need someone to open those doors and back you and give you those opportunities instead of giving that advice all the time? Yeah, I, I think for me, the word, finding a mentor or sponsor, you're right, was not really even in my vocabulary, never even crossed my mind. Uh, You know, in school, we had, you know, sort of buddies that when you first went on campus, they'd show you around, but you know, it wasn't like that, right? Um, So I think it's over time, um, as I, maybe as I started to, to get a little stronger, building up my career, probably later on down the line, then I would get, this is why I don't like the mentor thing. Then all of a sudden, like on LinkedIn, I would get 
so many messages along the lines of, hey, Sandra, you know, uh, and I don't know these people at all, right? And they're like, would you mentor me? And I was like, well, okay, I don't know you, you know? Um, And I just felt like, you know, if you ever want to talk to me, happy to talk to you, but I'm not going to sign on to mentor you. I don't know you. So um, I really kind of decided now that um, when that kind of thing happens, like I, I do mentor a group of women at Georgia Tech, but they are not, it's, it's five or six of them. Um, and then I just go and meet with them, have coffee, whatever it is. I guess you could call that, that's my definition of mentoring, which is just some people that you're talking to and fairly generic. Sponsorship, on the other hand, I think is really where you can make a difference. And I agree. I actually was kind of proud. I was I looked at a Forbes article not too long ago. It's about, well, sponsorship now is becoming, you know, the the more important than mentoring. I'm like, I know I've been saying that for like 20 years, but um, but sponsorship for me is just looking around and saying, you know, hey, maybe this person, we should invite this person or, you know, that kind of thing. Recently, I was in an exec meeting on with NIBS um, and women executives, and I just brought someone on our, on our team. Not doesn't work for me. Um, she's not quite an executive at this level, but I invited her to sit in on the call. I think those kinds of things that can really help. And I think it's much more valuable than some generic mentoring, you know, of, of some mass. I love that perspective. Thanks for sharing that, Sandra. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I want to tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. And now back to the conversation. So I am really curious about what motivated you to leave AWS? Because it seems like you had the dream job. Like it was a pretty impressive job. Um, You got to work on really cool things, massive growth. So what happened there? Yeah, I mean, I will say this. AWS is a great company. And I I, I don't know if I absolutely had the very best job, but I do think I had one of the most amazing titles I've ever had in my career. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was wonderful when I joined AWS did not have a focus on engineering construction and real estate. So it was so it was good news, bad news. The good news is no one had ever done my job. The bad news is no one had ever done my job, right? So um, so really helped start that group, build the strategy, the team. It was great. And I was really enjoying it. Um, and I would not have left, but um, I got a, um, a message, a letter asking, saying that I had been nominated for the board of directors of the National Institute of Building Sciences, um, and would I be interested in pursuing that? And my first reaction is, sure, but there's no way. Why would they, you know, 
Or they bring me in and they've got, you know, double PhDs with seismic studies and, you know, that whole thing. Okay, so I did, went through some exhaustive interviews, background checks, all those things. The whole time, I'm not really thinking much about it. So I don't mention it to AWS slash Amazon because I never even thought about it as being any kind of conflict. Um, So in May... um, I received the letter that I actually had been selected uh, to be the board of directors with a term starting in October uh, for a three-year term. And uh, so I went and talked to my my management at AWS, not in a, hey, is this okay? But in a, wow, look at this. This is going to be so great for what we're doing in the industry. So I'm thinking nothing is going to be an issue. It didn't cross my mind. Uh, I probably should have really, but it's not just AWS. Amazon has a, and this is more they would be able to answer than me, but in general, there was an issue with serving on the board of directors of a, uh, of a, uh, another organization, specifically a governmental organization. And I understood that maybe since it is a non, um, you know, it's a 503C, so it's not a paying position. My hope is that maybe I will be able to uh, help influence where things go. And I'm going to meet some really cool people um, and reporting to the Senate. It's kind of neat. So, Okay, I'm really curious what it felt like to make this decision based 100% on your personal values, because it is a big deal. Like you were following your dream, but you said it, it wasn't a paid position, right? And so that meant walking away from this incredible job and taking this really big risk. Tell me what was going on for you during that period? Well, to be truly transparent, I was deathly scared. Um, you know, I, I felt like I was standing on the edge of, you know, a cliff and deciding, can I, can I jump over it or should I not, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I really did, I went back and forth for quite, it was at least several weeks back and forth. And, um, so I think it's fear of the unknown, um, which I think everyone suffers from men, women, no matter what it is. Um, and it's like, oh my gosh, well, you know, um, how am I going to pay the bills? And, you know, what about the stock? And, you know, all these kind of things. And um, I don't really have any, anything to say other than it's just blind trust. I, I felt like I had been in the industry long enough and I knew a lot of people. And that was also, that's also so important. You know, people joke about, I'd love to have your Rolodex, but, you know, I, I keep in touch, you know, I have good relationships and make sure I do, I don't burn bridges, that kind of thing. So I felt like I could find another job. I didn't know what it was going to be or where. And I, I thought, you know, I had to have a little bit of belief in myself, but it was scary. But as it's turned out, it's, um, I was fortunate. I, I had, several job offers. So I, that gave me a lot of confidence as well. But I did have to make the decision before I ever started looking for a position, another one. So there was a period of time. And in retrospect, I kind of wish I'd taken maybe more time off uh, between the two. But that probably was a little bit of fear as well. Like, okay, I really, you know, I want, I want this position. I knew Procore was one of the companies I wanted to work with. And so when it came along, we worked it out. I, you know, I, I jumped at it. Maybe I should take another month and, you know, gone and seen Europe. But uh, as we know, the last few years have made travel, personal travel, a little bit of a challenge. So. 
so you got, so you really like, so you leaned into your network, you leaned into that social capital that you had built up through all the, all the years in construction. And I'm really curious because you did know a lot of people. So you'd actually know about the culture of all these different companies. You had these friends that you could call and figure out like, what is it really like to work yeah. there? What ultimately made you decide to join Procore? Um, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I did, I, I talked to a lot of, you know, people that I knew, um, in different ways that work there and did not. And then I have a very small group of friends that are women execs. There's like four of us. And we all went to Florida, actually, to my friend Nancy's house. And uh, Nancy Novak from uh, Compass. And she was there and Amy Marks and, you know, a couple others. And I was pretty honest. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do this or that. And so at this point, I already decided I was leaving Amazon, but I wasn't sure. I had some job options, sure, wasn't sure what to do. But what uh, really drove me was so made travel, personal travel a little bit of a challenge. So. so you got, so you really like, so you leaned into your network, you leaned into that social capital that you had built up through all the, all the years in construction. And I'm really curious because you did know a lot of people. So you'd actually know about the culture of all these different companies. You had these friends that you could call and figure out like, what is it really like to work yeah. there? What ultimately made you decide to join Procore? Um, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I did, I, I talked to a lot of, you know, people that I knew um, in different ways that worked there and did not. And then I have a very small group of friends um, that are women exact. There's like four of us, and we all went to Florida actually um, to my friend Nancy's house, and uh, Nancy Novak from uh, Compass, and she was there, and Amy Marks, and you know a couple others, and I was pretty honest. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go do this or that, and so at this point, I already decided I was leaving Amazon, but I wasn't sure. I had some job options, sure, wasn't sure what to do. But what uh, really drove me was. Um, talking with Nancy and understanding that it's not just what I've seen in Procore, but she's a customer and what she's seen. But the main thing for me is the culture. And, and I know that's an overused word, but like years ago, if you ever talked to anyone who ever worked at J.D. Edwards, which is a an ERP for construction, um, it's owned by Oracle now. But if you ever go back and look, you will see that there's still alumni from people at J.D. Edwards. There's are still people who go to Ed McVaney's, who was the founder of every year for a barbecue at his place. I mean, he, he really had a strong vision for the way employees need to be uh, treated, right? And um, that's what I sense with Chewy and with Procore. And that has a value that is... It's not something you can measure except for lifestyle. And um, I, I wanted that. So I think every company talks about being just as a name of a customer obsessed and, and then it's extremely important. But I think we're seeing today that um, it's not just it's the employees as well. And do they feel empowered and do they do they feel like, you know, that, um, that someone actually cares about them? And that's what I feel here. And since I feel that from them, then I also it makes it easier for me to go out and talk to people and customers and, and authentically or honestly say, you know, this is this is I love this company and they actually talk a good talk but they actually walk the walk and 
you know, we're doing some great things with diversity and inclusion and education, um, those kind of things. So tell me about some of the opportunities that have arisen from these two new roles that you've taken on. Well, um, I guess we'll start with the NIBS one, um, just because I, I accepted that before Pro 4 one. So uh, my term started in October. Uh, we have lots of, of uh, committees. And uh, so I am a member, uh, I'm on three committees budget and finance, um, which is just internal, you know, that kind of thing. And that relates to uh, the MBA stuff that I did years ago, right? Scholarship committee, which is extremely important. We had our first call um, yesterday uh, about that. And then the one that I chair is the awards committee. Um, and so there's some really great NIBS awards, right? And ironically, uh, having a chairman of uh, a committee um, out of uh, NIBS, this one, anyway, not just this one, anyone, I'm the first female, maybe is what I'm trying to say, that's ever been a chairman of one of those. So, I, you know, I didn't ask for that. We just all, you know, worked on what committees we were going to have. So I'm going to have the fun job, not just me personally, obviously, um, but with my team of, of committee to actually select um, the people who will be honored this year with those awards and be able to uh, to hand those out personally. And I'm hoping that that will be in person, not virtual, but you know, we'll see. That'll be towards the end of the year. Uh, so that's the NIBS side of it. As far as Procore goes, um, you know, Procore has, an, you know, if you pay any attention to them, they, they really talk about their main thing is making the lives of the people in construction better. I mean, it's a fairly simple statement, but it's a pretty big thing to do. Um, and that's, and I like that because it's focusing on the, on the user. You know, we want to make it easier for everyone in construction, but, you know, certainly the field and, you know, and of course the back office, but those two things. And then we do that. Um, we also believe the only really way to, to make major improvements is a platform, a collaborative platform where everyone sees the single source of the truth. I can't tell you how many years I've talk to people about a single source of the truth and only with technology um, and a collaborative platform can you really ever meet that in a timely basis I think that's the other thing you can get to a single source of the truth but it may be 30 days old by the time you get it which by that point it is of no value and not actionable so that's kind of where I'm at and I like their um, you know uh, Procore was one of, was the first construction uh, software company completely, you know, native cloud um, agnostic. You know, they were, I mean, not agnostic, they were native cloud, uh, the very first one. And that, that took a lot of foresight. You're seeing a lot of companies now moving more traditional construction uh, softwares, but they're moving to the cloud and moving their customers. When you join on with Procore, you're already in the cloud you're already doing your digital transformation just by that. So that part's fine. So those are the things I do. I would say like when I just, is it okay if I sum it up in one word? The one word I think when you're telling me this story, it's influence, right? Like you're influencing policy, you're influencing government. So you're influencing the industry from that really, really high level from your role at NIBS. But then I love how you said, 
the, it's my job to make people that work in construction's lives easier. So you are literally touching people at every level of the construction industry. And that influence, that is, I think, what is really exciting. And you said you're one of the first women to be the chair of one of these committees. And I just, I'm just thinking that level of influence, it's exciting. And I can't wait to see kind of what comes of all of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think it's influence and um, and evangelism. You know, I'm a huge evangelist for this industry and always have been and a huge evangelist for we need more women in the industry. We need more diversity in the industry. And uh, so that I have been in it, you know, uh, of avid coach or ambassador. And now I'm just adding on that with Procore because I do believe in their vision. Yeah, that's amazing. If you are an HR professional or a construction leader, and you're curious about how you can better engage and support your female staff, we have some exciting news to share with you. Ambition Theory has developed industry-specific leadership training programs for women in line with the Canadian Construction Association's Gold Seal Certification Program. The goal of these programs is to help companies develop leaders from the talent that already exists internally. There is a war for talent in the construction industry, and engagement and retention are among the best ways to address this. If you want to learn how Ambition Theory can help you improve employee engagement and retention, go to ambitiontheory.ca and book a call with us. And now back to the show. So I have a question. You mentioned Amy um, when you talked about when you're really trying to make this decision as being someone in your group that you lean on for advice, for support, probably for opportunities as well. And Amy has been a role model of mine for a couple of years. And that's how I learned about you. Amy was just singing your praises. Um, and that's the sponsorship approach, right? Sing people's praises when they're not there. So Amy was doing that for you. And I really wanted to connect with you. And I'm happy you're here today. And I get to have this conversation with you. But Amy is in a senior leadership position at Autodesk, which is a direct competitor to Procore. And I'm really curious how you navigate that because you're both, you probably know things that um, are very confidential. You have, you both have access to information that you probably should not be sharing. And I'm curious how you stay loyal to your friend, but also loyal to your company. That's a, you know, that's an interesting question and not an easy one. Um, but I think a couple of things we, Amy was with us in Florida and I was trying to decide between a, um, Procore and several others. So she knew, and I value her because she, you know, she didn't say, oh, you shouldn't go to Procore because they're, you know, she, she was very, you know, we just had a very honest conversation. Um, and then she was one of the first people I let know when I had made my decision because she is a friend and I trust her and I, you know, uh, and I respect her. And um, so since then we still talk, um, but we don't, we never talk about, we talk about work. I will be very clear about that. I mean, you would think if four women got together in Florida, we might talk about things other than construction, but you'd be surprised. We spent a lot of time drank a lot of wine and, and talked about a lot of, you know, this kind of thing, what's going on in the industry or some of the challenges is, as a female moves up in senior management, you kind of think it should be easier, but it isn't that kind of thing. So all that's still on the table. We will see each other at various events, you know, um, but we don't talk about, I don't talk about Procore. 
uh, and what, um, you know, our product does or any of those or any of our plans. And she doesn't talk about Autodesk either. Um, we may talk about it as it relates to uh, diversity and inclusion, things along those lines. But when it comes to competitive kind of information, we just don't. And, um, and, and that's just a matter of respect. It's a respect for each other, but it's also a respect for our individual companies. Right. And uh, so I and honestly, there's there's so much, so many things to be done in this industry. There's enough to go around for everyone. Um, so we don't need to we don't need to have to do that. I think women can be quite competitive with each other. It's a piece that no one ever wants to talk about. They always want to blame men. But that isn't necessarily true, uh, at least not certainly not in my experience. So. Amy and I are friends. We'll continue to be friends. I know her daughter. I mean, you know, so I, I just don't, uh, I, I think you just put boundaries around things you don't talk about. And so far it's, it's working well. We've had no issues. So uh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, sure. One more question. So I know a lot of your success, Sandra, has been attributed to you showing up as your authentic self. And you, whenever I hear you, when I read articles about you, it's always about be your authentic self, be your authentic, show up as yourself, don't try to be somebody else. But I'm wondering if you could break down how you actually do that, because it's hard, right? Like you show up and you want to fit in. How do you actually show up authentically? Yeah, um, that is hard. And uh, I'll be quite honest about this, which is part of being my authentic true step itself is I did not start off early doing that, right? I mean, I, I started off, you know, trying to do the dress for success, you know, the navy blue suit and the hair pulled back and, you know, I never did flat shoes. There are certain things that I just can't do. But, you know, in general, I, I really did that. And I think a lot of this comes with confidence. And confidence sometimes comes with time. Um, so, um, but what I would, how it started is I started off that way, but then I realized that if I could get the respect of my coworkers, then over time, you know, I'd come in with my nails painted red, red which I'm known for, you know, or, you know, high heel shoes or more fashionable suit or anything like that. Um, I also became very, very uh, good at saying what I, what I think and not couching it. Um, it used to be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. I mean, maybe this isn't a good idea, but, you know, and it's, you know, and I had to like, I don't need to say that. Men don't say that, you know, hey, excuse me. I, I'm not, I don't know if this is good, but I, I, you know, whatever you've already told the person isn't good before you even open your mouth. So, um, so I just sort of, why I just started watching people, honestly, in the early days, watching the men and you know, what they did, and you know, they just, what, it might be the kookiest idea, the dumbest thing anyone could say, but they still say it with confidence, and uh, when I had a consulting group that, you know, group of consultings work for me, they were, the biggest fear they'd always have is, well, Sandra, what happens if they ask me a question I don't know? Like, well, if it's something you truly have no concept about, then, you know, then say, you know, I don't know, I'll get back to you. But if it's something that you know more about, you know, then a lot of it is just saying it with confidence. You know, people, people believe that. Because um, you can see, have people who are incredibly knowledgeable, but it doesn't come across that they are because they don't say it with that sort of conviction. 
Um, so that's kind of how the, the authentic self came along. There is the donut story, which is, is a funny one in the early days of my, my world. But, uh, you know, um, I, I don't have a good answer other than I just became confident over time. And I think a lot of that is I, I don't, and I don't fight it. I think that's the thing that's so interesting. I think a lot of us think we have to fight in order to get to wherever we want to in our career, almost like in a, in a hostile way, you know, like, and I never thought about that way. You know, I think about it is water will eventually, um, you know, uh, destroy a rock. If enough water goes over it, you know, the rock will eventually disintegrate. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen overnight. That's the way I think about it. It's like, I just, continue to be who I am and for some people it works you know some people like me some people probably don't I don't know but I don't think you can force it you know I don't think dynamite is the right answer so that's the analogy I use which is just you know keep just keep being yourself and I don't can't imagine a time in life that's better for anyone to be able to be their authentic self than now I mean, with worker shortages in every industry, you know, and people are saying, you're working towards what's the best hours do you want? And, hey, we want you to be, you know, those things didn't exist, you know, a while ago and they're there now. So I don't really think there's a lot of excuse for trying to be somebody that you're not. Uh, You know, that being said, you know, obviously every corporation, every organization has some, I think of as guidelines you know, like, you know, driving down the road, uh, there are, there, you know, there are guardrails on each side, but within that, you've got four or five lanes, you can go back and forth, and if you can't find your way in one of those four or five lanes, then you're likely in the wrong industry or the wrong company. Can you go back and tell us the donut story? <laughs> I'll say it really quick. I only say this because there was a group, it's actually before I joined Procore, they did a, an article on me called Groundbreaker. And uh, there was a video group here and we were all just sitting around, you know, right forward going to film something. And I said, well, you know, and they were asking me about first times there. And so, well, it's really interesting. I went to my first engineering um, group meeting, the double E meeting at this company that I was telling you about. And everybody went through everything. And I literally had just been on for, you know, maybe it was my first meeting, maybe been there a month. And at the end of the meeting, everyone said, um, well, who's going to get the donuts? Because there apparently were donuts at the meeting every week. And they all turned around, and looked at me and they said, Sandra, you should get the donuts. Now, this one I didn't handle as elegantly as I did the smartest woman. I, <laughs> that really pissed me off. And I became like, ah, I can't believe that. Why do you think I should get the donuts? I'm not, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And, and it was kind of sad. Later on, I found out that they didn't ask me to get the donuts because I was a woman. They asked me to get the donuts because every new person that was their job to get the donuts. Uh, it had nothing to do. So I had just like ripped these people, you know, for like 20 minutes on, you know, how dare they? And then I realized it wasn't that at all, which made me feel <laughs> a little sad. But the, the funny thing is there, I was at that company for several years and the joke was just don't ask her to get donuts. <laughs> 
go like that's and I never bought donuts again uh I've never <laughs> I never did so so on that in those early days those are two examples of one I handled gracefully and the other I did not but it, it became a joke and I think that's part of where men and women have to be think about being different is the men thought it was funny they didn't think it was funny at first when I'm yelling at them but once they realized you know that it just became a just you know Sanders great, but don't talk to her about donuts. So it was just sort of a joke in the company. And uh, I actually think that's really funny because it gave you a really strong personal brand, right? So pe- more people probably knew about you because of that. And the fact yeah. that you could roll with it and laugh about it now and tell the story, it just, it shows like that reaction, right? Like you can't control what happens to you, but you get to control your reaction. And you said it wasn't the most graceful reaction, but after that, you still, you could still control the narrative, right? And you decided that you might like, this is okay. And I think more people probably knew who you were because of it. Oh yeah. I mean, I was on the second floor of the building, but I remember because we had civils on one floor or whatever. And, uh, you know, they go, well, I got to meet this, this girl, you know, but, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but it's still one of my favorite stories of all time. So, uh, anyway. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing it. So we always end every podcast with a 24 hour action that people can implement after learning something new. So that's a baby step towards becoming more authentic at work. So Sandra, what do you think people can do just to get started being more authentic at work? That's a, you know, that's a good question, particularly in the, the 24 hours. I think, I think the right thing to do is to at the end of your day, so let's say someone's listening to this in the morning at 8 a.m., at 5 or whatever time they get off, it doesn't matter, um, to reflect back on your day, which is a good thing to do anyway on a personal level, but really reflect on your, on the day and just the activities that you did and the people you spoke with. And, you know, just say, were, were there any points there that were either uncomfortable or I felt like, or I was in a meeting and I felt like I wanted to say something, but you know, just didn't, or, you know, just go back and review that. Um, and I wouldn't do it every day uh, by any means, but, you know, I think it makes perfect sense to, to, for the next 24, you know, the first thing, just pick a day and, and don't, you don't even know it's today. That's why I said, if you're listening to this in the morning, make it today. You don't want to set out in the morning and go, okay, now today I'm going to check this, but just, or look back at your last week and just see where those were in, in a non-condemnation, uh, you know, or, or punishing side, just go, hmm, you know, I should probably handle that better. Or, you know, maybe I shouldn't have talked over that person. I didn't really mean to, you know, whatever it is. And I, I reckon, I will say this, with the Zooms and stuff, it's really hard. When people are in a meeting, they generally don't talk all over each other. Unfortunately, it's a lot easier to do here. But uh, the virtual world, also, people won't say anything. They sit back because they don't want to, you know, take that chance. So that's probably the first thing, you know, that I think is really important. And then, then also, what are you passionate about? What do you like to do? And how does that fit in with your job? Are there parts of you that you don't feel comfortable sharing with people that work? That's fine, too. But do they really know you? You know, most people who know me, you know, they know I ride a Harley and they all think that's really cool and that's 
fine. Uh, I don't tell people that to impress them. I just, that's just something I do. Um, but, you know, so where are there places you can bring your, your own self in? Those are probably the only two on a short-term basis. Longer term, there's a lot, there's a lot of advice, but um, that's probably what I would say for short term. I love that. It's great. I, we just want, I just want people to get started. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Sandra, how do people connect with you? Uh, well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can follow or you can send me a, a, a connection. I will accept it. I'm not one of those, like I only accept whatever. So, uh, so that's an easy thing. Um, my email um, is Sandra, it's pretty easy, Sandra.Benson at Procore.com. So you can certainly reach me that way. So, and I, I'm pretty good at responding. I sometimes maybe not right, right away, but I almost always do. Um, you know, so please feel free to reach out if it, you know, just want to have an issue or have something you want to run by me or, hey, what do you do or just want to get to know me. Um, networking is huge. Um, and I don't mean just going to a cocktail party and handing out your business card. I mean, authentically networking, getting to know people and having reciprocal conversations. There's no way I would be where I am in my career if I did not really focus, and my friends call it my, my big Rolodex, but I do, I have, I keep contacts of, that I've had for 30 years. In construction, everyone knows everyone. It's one of the largest industries in the world, but to a certain extent, everybody still knows everybody. So um, leverage those people, not just by taking from them, but also you know, making it both ways. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sandra. This was an incredible interview. I learned a lot and I hope everybody else listening did as well. I hope so too. It was fun chatting with you. So, um, and talking about some of my favorite subjects. So thank you for the time and the opportunity. I appreciate it. Hey, before you go, I'm going to read a review of our podcast. This one is called Engaging and Informative. As a new HR consultant, I have found the topics to be very informative and engaging. The dialogue is always upbeat. I also love that the conversations are the perfect length. I am sometimes left wanting more, but they are also easy to fit into my day. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for that generous review. It really helps us to get the word out about the podcast so that we can keep making episodes every week for you for free. And now I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you leave the podcast a five-star review and a comment? Thank you so much.